Welcome to the Money Pilot Financial Advisor Podcast, where you team up with Money Pilot founder, former Army helicopter pilot, and your host, Katie Cannon, to put your money where your heart is. Together, we'll tackle issues big and small so you can take charge and land your financial life. Welcome, everyone, to the Money Pilot Financial Advisor Podcast. Today, we'll ask the question, do I need to buy life insurance? We'll answer the questions, do I need it? Do I already have some? Is it enough? What do I need or want? What will it cost? And we'll talk about some of the timing for insurance. So let's go right from the beginning here. Do I need to buy life insurance? Usually, the primary consideration in deciding whether or not you need insurance is what's the purpose of the insurance you're considering buying? What do you need it for? Is it just to have life insurance to cover your debts and expenses related to your passing, such as a funeral and attorney's fees to settle your affairs? Do you take care of loved ones that are depending on you for income? If you're young and on your own, you might not need life insurance. But if you have a spouse, young children, a family member with special needs, or maybe parents that are counting on your income, you should consider life insurance to take care of them in case you die unexpectedly. So how much insurance do you need? Well, you should consider insurance to cover your end-of-life costs at a minimum. That is what it costs to die, essentially. Um, If you're a service member and die on active duty or are retired from the military, you're entitled to a burial at a Veteran Affairs National Cemetery and a government-furnished headstone or marker. So this will certainly help decrease those costs immediately after your death. Otherwise, for everyone else, the average cost of a funeral and burial can be around $10,000 to $12,000. This depends a lot on whether you want a huge affair for your funeral, whether you get the fanciest, most expensive coffin, or do you just simply go simple and just get cremated. But in general, ten dollars to $12,000 is probably a good ballpark to start. The next thing to think about is that after you die, your debts and final bills will have to be paid off, and your assets or belongings will need to be distributed according to your will if you have one, or according to state law if you don't. This process is called probate, which is a court-supervised process. There are court costs and filing fees, as well as attorney fees that all need to be paid. These costs can vary quite a bit by state, and usually depend on your assets. That is, the things that you own that have to go through the process like your car, your home, and other belongings. The more you own when you die, the more that has to go through probate, and the higher the cost. If you don't own much, in most states, if it's just you and your car and some personal belongings, there's a simplified process, which is much quicker and cheaper. Otherwise, a really rough estimate is going to be 3 to 7% of your assets which for your average person runs around $20,000. All right, 
So we've talked about the initial costs of your funeral and burial and then distributing your belongings after you die. The next thing to consider is what's it going to cost to take care of the people who depend on you now for your income. You should probably consider carrying enough insurance to at least pay off your debts, like your home mortgage, your car, and your credit card. This will be costs that your family won't need to bear after you're gone and take a real weight off their shoulders. And they don't risk the chance of losing your home that, where you live or their only source of transportation. A really important thing about insurance is that it's paid to your beneficiary. That is the person you list on your life insurance policy to receive the money. And they get it very quickly after your death usually within days. Life insurance does not go through the courts and probate and is not taxed. In a period of really uncertainty and a tough time with the immediate loss of your income when you pass, this money is there just when your family really needs it. No strings attached. The next thing you want to think about is providing regular income to the people that are depending on you now for support after you're gone. This includes your spouse, young children, family members with special needs, or your parents if they depend on you. Especially if you're married with children, be realistic about the opportunities that your spouse will have to earn income after you're gone. Do you plan on your spouse not having to work at all? stay home and care for children or family members? Or will they work, but now need to pay for childcare? If your spouse doesn't work for a period of time or works part-time, this often will decrease their lifetime earnings, their ability to save for education or retirement, and their expected Social Security benefits in retirement. So even if your spouse does plan on working after you pass, they may not be able to earn as much as they thought they would before. A typical rule of thumb is to have 10 times your yearly salary in life insurance to care for your loved ones. But if you're a fairly young family with children and haven't had time to build up much savings yet, 20 times your annual salary would probably be even more appropriate. Let's look at an example. Let's say you're in your 30s. You're married and have two children under age five, and you earn $75,000 a year. Let's say you own a home with a $250,000 mortgage and a car with a $10,000 loan balance. Let's figure for rough costs, $10,000 for the funeral and burial, and $20,000 to settle your estate through probate. So far, that's going to be $290,000 to pay off your debt and cover the costs of your dying. Now, to provide income to your family after you pass. Let's say you don't have much savings yet since you're starting out. You want your spouse to be able to stay home with the children until they start school and eventually pay for their college education. Because your family has a lot of needs for quite a long time to come, Let's look at 20 times your salary. This would be $1.5 million. They get $260,000 to pay off your debts, and then you're looking at $1.75 million of insurance to really take care of your family. 
This can seem like a crazy amount of life insurance when you're young and earning a modest income. I mean, it, it can sound like winning the lottery, except, of course, just remember that somebody had to die in this lottery. But remember, you and your family were counting on your future earnings to live on, to save for retirement, to pay for the children's education, and to pay off the home you live in. Fortunately, insurance is relatively cheap when you're young. And as long as this terrible day doesn't come, and the years go by with you living, you will pay off the house, the children will grow up, that no longer need daycare, and eventually graduate from college. You and your spouse have saved for retirement and other goals. So over time, as you cross each of these milestones, your insurance needs will be less and less. Let's say you're single and don't have anyone depending on you. A very small policy to cover your funeral and burial and legal fees may be quite adequate and could be as low as $20,000. If it's just you and your spouse, no children and you both work, 10 times your annual income may be adequate. Okay, so we've got some ballpark figures here of how much life insurance you may need. The next question is, do I have that much insurance already? If you're working, you probably do have some employer-provided life insurance. It's usually called group life insurance because everyone in a certain group, like where you work, are automatically elig eligible. Employers typically offer a set amount of insurance and they either pay those premiums for you or the premiums are deducted automatically from your pay. For service members on active duty, you're automatically enrolled in the Service Members Group Life Insurance, SGLI, for $400,000, and the premiums are deducted monthly from your LES. You can elect more if you need. For federal employees, you're automatically enrolled in the Federal Employee Group Life Insurance, or FEGLI. Your benefit is one times your annual salary, which the government pays for. You can elect to buy more insurance, but you'll need to pay for those premiums and they will be deducted from your pay. If you don't need much insurance, these employers provided insurance plans may be all you need. Generally, they're relatively cheap or free if your employer is paying for it and they don't require a physical to qualify. The one downside is you lose your job, you lose your insurance. You may be able to continue after you leave work, your work, but you'll need to check with your employer and you can expect to have to pay for that. Okay, so you may already have enough insurance provided by your employer, but if not, what kind of insurance do you need? For most people, term life insurance will cover your needs for the best value. This is called term because you buy it for a certain amount of time. It's typically 10, 20, or 30 years. For those number of years, your yearly premium will stay the same. The premium costs themselves are determined by your age, your sex, and a few other factors like whether you smoke or have dangerous hobbies or work. When you reach the end of the term, the insurance ends. As I mentioned earlier, as you get older, you pay off your debts. You're able to save, put away some savings, and your children grow up if you had them. 
As this happens, your insurance needs are usually go down. So term life insurance works pretty well. You just match how much insurance you need for how long to the policy. Usually term life is renewable, which means you can add another set number of years to your existing policy just before it expires. Your premium will be higher for the new term, but you normally don't need to undergo a physical. And again, if your insurance needs are lower, you could probably decrease the amount of insurance you're buying and save money on premiums. There are other types of insurance as well, such as whole life, universal life, variable life, to name a few. But these are fundamentally different than term life, and they're sometimes called permanent insurance. These policies are designed to stay in force for your entire life, hence the name permanent, not just a certain number of years. Because of this, they are much more expensive. And if your insurance needs decrease over time, as is typically the case, you're paying a lot of money for insurance that you don't really need later in life. These policies are often touted as investment vehicles, but beware, the fees associated with them, the commissions you pay on the, to the salesman, the cost of the insurance every year, usually means that in reality, they are not good investments at all. These types of permanent insurance do have uses for some people, particularly the wealthy who expect to have to pay estate taxes when they die. Currently, this would apply to you if you have over $11 million in assets or you're a couple with over $22 million. The bottom line is, if someone is trying to sell you something other than term life insurance, ask a lot of questions and definitely get a second opinion. This is a great time to consult a financial planner who doesn't sell insurance themselves and could save you an expensive mistake. So to roll things up, if you're single and don't have anyone depending on you for support, your life insurance needs are probably pretty low and could be covered completely by your employer-provided group life insurance. If you take on a lot of debt, for example, when you buy your home, it's another good time to check and make sure you have enough insurance to cover your debts. Once you do have some people counting on you for support, like a spouse, children, special needs family members, or maybe even your parents, it's time to take a serious look again at your insurance needs. It's easy when you're young with these kinds of responsibilities to underestimate the amount of insurance you would need to take care of your family if you passed unexpectedly while you're young. This is a good time to get some professional advice and look into term insurance that matches your family's needs and the number of years you're going to need that level of insurance. The good news is, while you're young, this insurance is relatively cheap. And as your family grows and your needs changes, you most likely can decrease the amount of insurance you're paying for later on. The bottom line is, there is no simple one-size-fits-all answer to these questions we've talked about today. But I hope I've provided you with some general principles to get you started. And remember, with each major life change, marriage, divorce, children, buying a home, it's a good time to reassess your needs and make sure you're still on track.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions, please reach out. I love hearing from you and helping you take charge of and protect your finances. If you'd like to get a second opinion on your insurance needs and making sure your family's protected, feel free to set up a meeting for me. Initial consultations are always free and available virtually. You can always reach me through my website at moneypilotadvisor.com. Until next week, stay safe and take care. Thank you for joining today's podcast. Like to find out more? Visit us at moneypilotadvisor.com. Let's team up and land your financial life.